Okay, cool. In that case, then, uh, sinking. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. I already forgot. I'm never six. I'm never never even. My, how the turntables. I know. Grip it and rip it, baby. Grip it and rip it, baby. Got this, (laughs) this nice generic brand strawberry soda that tastes a little bit like a candle. It's the good stuff. Nothing but the finest here. <laughs> I mean, honestly, look, that's not going to be any less artificial than the show that we're going to talk about. So. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm excited. It's going to be a good time. I'm glad that you're excited. I hope that you continue to be excited. I, I, can, I can keep up excitement for the whole time because Michael Malley is here. And I don't, I don't want to ruin all my good Michael Malley bits right now, but I love that guy. <laughs> Okay, cool. And like I said, I'm going to go ahead and start the episode. <laughs> Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are going to figure out why we love the show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, because you're listening. You're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Loser Like Me, a Glee recap podcast. My name is Christina. And I'm Tanner, and I have an entire iPod shuffle. Do you, Tanner? Yes. Oh, God. It didn't sink in for me until literally just now that that was a reference to the device's iPod shuffle and not putting something on shuffle. (laughs) This was the olden years of 2009. They didn't have playlists yet. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, today we're talking about episode 9 of season 1 of Glee. It's called Wheels, and we have our first guest on the show. I'm doing, like, the arm gesturing, even though we're on a webcam. (laughs) (laughs) Our guest is Jake, who's apparently not going to introduce himself. (laughs) (laughs) You have to introduce yourself in song. I, oh gosh, I, you know, sorry I couldn't make it to this episode. I'm gonna, (laughs) um... Thank you for having me on this podcast. It poisoned my Netflix algorithm. Well, we're glad to be of service. I mean, look, watch enough Power Rangers and, like, I don't know whatever else you watch on Netflix and it'll get back to normal. Mostly just Haikyuu. Mostly just uh, volleyball anime. <laughs> yeah, that's legit. That's the better teens. Yes. They are They are significantly better than the teens on this program, <laughs> I would say. The bar is not very high. No, it's a, it is It is basically a shadow on the floor. Yeah. I don't know. Do we want to like, Jake, would you like to discuss whatever, uh, whatever history with music and or show choir and or musicals you have? <laughs> uh, well, I love Pitch Perfect, the movie. This is known. Which I would say is an order of magnitude better than Glee. Yes. I tried yeah. going into this with like a positive attitude because I was like, I don't want to go on the show that my friends invited me on and just dunk on it the whole time. <laughs> um, I cannot promise that after watching the episode, but I will do my best, even though I didn't take a lot of notes because I know that you two are uh, note takers of the highest order. <laughs> so I was like, I'm probably yeah. covered there. So I don't have I don't have any plot notes. I have more thought notes and I hope I remember where they land. That's okay. Um, yeah. I uh my my history with show choir is I don't have one. Um 
I went to a school with 400 kids in it. We had, I think we had a choir, but I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I cannot sing. So I was not, that wasn't going to be a thing that I did uh, either way. I did watch Glee a couple times uh, when it first aired. Huh. Oh, wow. Because I was, because my friend Layton liked it and I was like, okay, let me try it out. And I was like, this show is bad, Layton. This is a really bad one. And I think by the time they did My Chemical Romances Sing, he was like, oh, they ruined it so much. I th- I think I'm also done. And I'm like, good, you finally seen the light. <laughs> it took so long. Oh, that whole episode was a wild ride. And we have to wait almost an entire season to get there. Yeah, I was gonna say it's gotta be it's gotta be in one of the first couple because that album came out in like two thousand eight or nine. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so I uh, I'm not a fan of Glee. That's okay. Um, but here I am anyway. Try and do I'm gonna do my best. I I you probably don't know this because at this point we are recording extremely far ahead of the release dates. Nice. Um. But uh turns out that Tanner and I have our fair share of things that we are not super happy with Glee for doing. So. Okay, okay, good. I think there are some good things in the episode, but a, a, some you got to dig for, and and some mm-hmm. are uh, they're pretty late in the game as far as the episode goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, the reason you're here is because I messaged Christine and I said, hey, Jake mentioned really liking Mike O'Malley, right? Let's get him on this. <laughs> yeah, oh, love Michael yeah. Malley. Yeah. New Hampshire's own. <laughs> He's from Nashua. That guy rules. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, he was on uh, Chronicle, which is like the, we have one station in New Hampshire, WMUR. It's the only <laughs> local station. Hashtag um, non-spawn. Hashtag non-spawn. But if you would like to, I there's a couple Fritz Weatherby books I'm missing, and I'll, I'll do it for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But there's a show called Chronicle, which is like just like the like state local news. And Michael Malley was on once, uh, and he was talking about how um, everywhere else in the world they try to get him as like the Boston guy, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I'm not from there. I'm from New Hampshire. <laughs> like I'm from Nashua." Um, and so I was like, "Oh, I, lo- I will love you forever, Michael Malley." Also, he was on Guts <laughs> over to Mo Mo. <laughs> All right, do we want to start digging into the episode proper? Yeah, let's sure. go for it. So it begins with what I'm going to assume is a reference to the 2007 Disney Channel original movie Jump In starring Corbin Blue, which is all about aggressive jump roping. I forgot that that movie existed, so I was like, okay, I guess she's just doing jump ropes. (laughs) They aired commercials for it all the time on Family Channel up here because they had to ride that popularity of High School Musical. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I think you, I honestly, I think you might be right because I don't know why else they would be like, we got to get a big jump rope scene in here unless they were i don't know what the other episodes have been like because i'm not going back to watch those no Um, you don't have to but uh i i don't think unless they're every episode starts with a different cheer routine they're probably like we need to get something fancy to start this one i feel like it's every other episode yeah at least features one there's definitely enough cheerleading routines that imply that they did have like an actual like cheerleader like a cheer team and a cheer coach on staff to coordinate these yeah. routines. It was well done. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was some quality jump roping from my untrained amateur eyes. <laughs> and from my untrained amateur eyes. <laughs> and, so yeah, same here. Uh, the jump ropes, lot, lots of flailing and whipping stuff around. It looked snazzy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dangerous, but snazzy. Yeah. You'll learn that's kind of par for the course. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
all this is to say that uh, we get to have a nice little pan up over the practice and we see Jacob Ben Israel, who is a menace, uh, <laughs> sitting on the bleachers. And then there's also Quinn and Finn comes up and he talks to her in the bleachers. And he says, like, why are you torturing yourself by watching your, your friends do this thing still? And she's like, uh, it's either this or I torture myself over the American healthcare system. <laughs> yeah, mood. <laughs> Which, yeah, wasn't any wasn't any better back then i so i was just kind of uh, i pa- i had to parachute into this episode and they gave me like a one second catch up and they're like quinn's pregnant and says it's finn's but it's not it's this other guy's whose name i think is puck but might be punk and honestly both could be accurate <laughs> both are accurate um, and i was like okay that's something that's good to know i guess and it's like and then kurt came out to his dad last time and i was like okay good michael malley's gonna be here because i know he's kurt's dad mm-hmm. and then that that's where i ended and then quinn starts the her my introduction to her in the past you know decade uh by being just awful just a just a terrible character in person yeah this is not a good episode for quinn yeah i have i have some notes i have some notes on uh, women <laughs> in this episode and also in the general sense of the show is um, a, a concerning trend I'm starting to see yeah <laughs> what is is it the concerning trend of in Glee women can only be like absolute divas or abs- or like complete angels and objects of affection for the male characters uh yeah pretty much I mean I just said they all seem to be nags even when they have a point well, actually, wait, hold up. We didn't say who wrote this episode. Fair. Who wrote this episode? Um, was it written? Was this Ryan Murphy? <laughs> yeah, this this is the Murph. Ah, I should have known. <laughs> that was a. I could f- I could feel something in that <laughs> in that little should have known. Look, I, I I will give Ryan Murphy credit where credit is due for things that he does well. But he has a lot of trends within his writing, and also you can see so many things, like, as foreshadows of his creative works to come. I also don't like American Horror Story, so I, I feel yeah. like I'm just I'm just not a Ryan Murphy guy. No, me either. It's an acquired taste for sure, and I'm not sure if I've acquired <laughs> it yet. No. Okay, well, I mean, here's the thing that no one will tell you about acquired taste, is that you don't have to acquire them. Exactly. <laughs> you can just walk away. Yeah. Yeah. Sonograms are expensive, and Quinn tells Finn that he needs to get a job so that they can start paying off these medical bills before her extremely religious parents find out that she has a child. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just the directing. Because here's the other thing: maybe it's not necessarily Ryan. Maybe it's the director, Paris Barclay, who this is his inaugural Glee direction episode. That name sounds familiar. He's probably just one of those mainstays that floats through all the TV shows. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's like, the way she says it, she, she sounds like a nag, a quote-unquote nag, and how, oh, well, you have to pay my medical bills for the child we're having together. And it's like, yes, he does. Why, why is she being made out to be the villain in this situation? They need yeah. money. hmm Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's... Right, and like, I think this is like a, I don't know if this is a, a glee-wide problem, or if this is just like, you know per episode it changes but this is definitely this like like the kind of thing you're saying is like even when they have a point they're still played as wrong but they also are kind of wrong when they say their points because she also uh has an obligation to this baby you know um especially because it isn't his oh 
you know what I just realized, Tanner? Um, they, they didn't Jake, talk Jake about d- the flat Jake baby plot. Jake doesn't know about flat baby. I'm sorry. Let's let's okay. Let real quick. A flat, um, like a like a cartoon baby got run over by a steamroller kind of flat baby. No, t- Tanner and I have been calling Quinn Quinn's child flat baby because she made a joke about like the baby's head coming out flat a couple episodes ago, and we were like, we're using that. Okay. Um, but also, but uh, the whole thing. Is Flat Baby a ruse? Do I know how Quinn's fulfilling her obligation to the baby? <laughs> yes. So, this episode neglects to mention that the Will, the Glee Club teacher, has a wife who is faking a pregnancy, and she has concocted this plan that when Quinn gives birth, she's going to take that baby and says it's theirs. Okay. And Quinn is in on this. Yes. However, the, so, uh, choir teacher's <laughs> wife is not fight being financially supportive of Quinn in the pregnancy. So. This is. Currently, she has no income to pay the bills. This seems bad <laughs> to me. Yes. <laughs> I also think that you're going to run into a problem with faking a pregnancy sooner than later. Um, especially if your if your end goal is essentially um, the little shell game, but with a baby at the yeah. end, because eventually Quinn will have a baby, and then she will take that baby, and then presumably somebody somewhere will go, "Hey, what happened to that baby you had, Quinn?" <laughs> the whole school knew about it. It seems like they yeah. have kind of. This will come back. Okay. Yeah, they they have kind of concocted or not really concocted quinn has stated generally to most people that they are giving it up for adoption so no one's being confused when the baby goes away okay just as long as they don't start following a paper trail or or wondering in five years hey how come this baby is real blonde haired and blue eyed and neither (laughs) of the parents are listen it's it's recessive dominant genes extremely recessive aggressive genes (laughs) Okay, this seems like a bad plan, just on every level, um, and doesn't make anybody look good <laughs> because no. of it. No, it doesn't get better. I can't imagine it will. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but it gets better in the sense that it's so ludicrous, I love it. <laughs> okay, yes, that if you're coming in for drama points, then yes, then yeah. it sounds like it will it will pay dividends on that. Yes, oh, yes. The, the sheer audacity is there. Okay, good. All this is to say is that there there's some stuff with Jacob interviewing Sue about why they why Quinn is off the Cheerios and aren't things gonna suck now that Quinn's gone and Sue's like, no, it'll be fine and also I'm taking your tape recorder from nineteen eighty seven. Uh give me that then, yak back, Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> A thing that my parents have said to me dozens of times. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh, while they have this interview, Will comes in asking Figgins if they can get funding for an accessible bus so that Artie can go to sectionals with the rest of the group because the the only way you can do team building is on a bus ride to sectionals. He says the best part of doing Glee Club period was the bus rides, and I have to imagine that he was not very good at Glee Club then. <laughs> <laughs> You're not necessarily wrong. Okay. <laughs> it, 
in his defense, some of my best memories from my time in choir were the bus rides in which we would just, because we were choir kids, we would have group sing-alongs. Sure. Or we'd all be asleep. <laughs> right. Yeah. It makes it makes sense. It just, it's phrased very strangely that, like, number one thing about Glee Club, bus rides. Well, okay. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a great Glee Club you must have had then, to me, someone who was never in one. There can definitely be better. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, Figgins tells Will that, listen, Artie, he he can overcome other challenges because that's what he does. That's what we expect us ability people to do is just figure stuff out on their own. We don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Th- yeah, this this whole thing sucks. This entire storyline just sucks. Yeah. Like, the whole time. Well, but it's, it's supposed to suck. Yes. Like, everyone who says, oh, Artie will figure it out on his own, they're they're clearly framed as the, in the, in being the in the wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I will, yes, and also, I think, um, that, that, what's his, is his name Will, the teacher? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, everyone called him Shoe, and I was like, that's short for, I think, Schuster, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. You were correct. He's okay. Will Mr. Shoe Schuster. Okay. Um, He also seems to take it in a weird way Um, that I feel like is also pretty bad um, a little later in the episode. The, they decided to take a complete, like, th- this is actually, like, out of character for Will, as we have seen in the previous episodes, which is... In the previous episodes, it's been a lot of Will trying to, you know, like, regain the glory of his high school days because he was in Glee in high school and he had a great time. But in this episode, the writers decided they want Will to be the capital C champion of everyone who is not perfectly abled and, you know, the mold of the heavy air quotes here, perfect American. (laughs) Except for Kurt. Except for Kurt. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Yeah. I just kind of read it as his his need to be Finn's dad just starting to expand into other members of the club, <laughs> but not Kurt. Everybody but Kurt, who has a great dad already, mm-hmm. um, who may be the only good character on the show as far as I know. Um, Artie's also fine. Uh, everybody else, just there's a lot of... A lot of peaks and valleys going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, Brittany. Brittany is also a perfect angel, and I want nothing but the best for her. I also am confused by recipes. Brittany so. is a beacon of light in dark, dark times. Yes. Yes. Heather Morris is great. So this, I, I also have a note, and I think it comes a little bit later about the songs being diegetic, but I think that's when Artie starts singing. Yeah, they're 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 kind of... Glee tends to toe the line a lot between songs that are diegetic and non-diegetic and like partially diegetic. So okay. it's it's all over the place. <laughs> Basically, if it seems like it shouldn't be happening in real life, it probably isn't. Okay. I that makes sense cuz his whole first thing, which is in like a, a couple minutes, um I was like clearly this is not really happening. Um but then later they just straight up do performances in the same style. And I'm like, okay, I think you just need to, like, learn your way around the language of the show to get these. Yeah. Well, it's like, uh, if you're listening to a song and you don't really have any visual stimulus to go along with it, you just start creating your own music video for it in your head. Have you ever done that? I Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think every human has. And if you haven't, 
I would like to talk. What's it like to be like that? Yeah, I don't understand people who don't do that. But I think that's kind of what's happening when they do songs like the way they do Dancing With Myself is that Artie's performing it, but in his head, he's like doing the whole thing down the hallways and like pining for Tina in the distance. Okay. We should should talk about like the the B plot of this episode, um, which is that Will says, hey, we actually need to do music that the, that the judges are going to like hearing from a show choir. So we're singing the pop version of Defying Gravity. And Kurt wants a solo, but Will gives it to Rachel. And then he says, and we're also, we're going to do a bake sale to support, uh, to support Artie so we can get a bus and I'll ride together to sectionals. But Santana says, that's so not 2009, and also none of us know how to bake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're all like, we're very busy now, and, and baking is a form of witchcraft as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. um, because following recipes is tricky. Uh, Brittany says as much. I, I completely agree with her. This is also kind of weird to me, because I wasn't in any clubs or anything in school, but like, were bake sales and stuff too fun, like bus trips? And, and things like, I assume the school has like buses that it rents for the school and well, like they're on retainer, but maybe I'm wrong. See, here's the thing about William McKinley High School is okay. they have no money. Liter- okay. the, the entire purpose of Principal Figgins is to say that they have no money and also sometimes make moral decisions. But mostly he's there to say that they have no money and they must raise money themselves. Okay. And I definitely saw bake sale fundraisers at my schools, but yeah. I, as far as I know, all the baking was done by, like, parents at home. Yeah. And we'll see why parents baking is a better idea later in the episode. <laughs> well, oh it's Glee, yep. so we can't guarantee it would have ended differently. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, also, they're too busy for bake sales. They have homework and football practice and teen pregnancy and lunch. <laughs> Just regular things. Yeah. Just normal 2009 things. And yeah, Mercedes and Quinn think that it's like there's no point in getting the bus because Ari can just find his own way there like he does with everything and Ari's like oh yeah I guess it's fine I don't need a special bus <laughs> yeah I'm sad and I'm nerdy not... look at my haircut yeah, yeah. The, the, the best thing that ever happened to Kevin McHale's hair was getting out of glee <laughs> I think his hair got slightly better over the course of the show but yeah I don't know slightly doesn't seem like it would be, it, you'd have to make a pretty big jump to get over this weird bowl cut from 1945 Oh no, it's it I feel like it's because while he was on the show, they were like, No, your hairstyle has to stay the same, otherwise they won't recognize that it's Artie. <laughs> and he doesn't have any of the other defining features, you're right. Once he left the show, they were like, Okay, now you can spike your hair up and actually style it like, you know, an adult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Yeah, but all the kids are just like I don't know, get, figure it out, Artie. We don't have to worry about a wheelchair bus, so like we we don't care. And that's a that's a cool look for all them. But in, in the show's defense, that's kind of teenagers. So yeah, it's not it's not necessarily inaccurate. Just real crappy. Yeah, that, that's teenagers, and also kind of the attitude of two thousand and nine in Ohio. I'm assuming. <laughs> so I never, it was, I've never been. It was the attitude of a large portion of America in two thousand and nine. So yeah, yeah. All this is to say that then we get to, like, after Artie has his song, which is Dancing By Myself, and it's a good song. Like, Kevin McHale can sing, and he's a good singer. Mm-hmm. Like. His his voice is, like, surprising. Like, it doesn't seem like it will come out of that little man, but it does. Yeah. 
He was in a boy band before being on Glee. Oh, good for him. I don't even think yeah. the boy band would have done him justice because he like he can be very smooth or he can get real belty, and those aren't really two things that you can do much of in a boy band. No, I'm just like I'm saying like he had prior musical training. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is the reason, yeah. He has a solo, it's fine. We get to go back to Glee and Kurt says, "Hello, I would like to sing Defying Gravity, please." And Will says, "No." <laughs> no, it's a girl's part, Kurt. Cuz that I guess matters. I do, my my only note and again, these are not like descriptive of any kind. I just said that Kurt is a fashion criminal. <gasps> um, because I think he should be arrested for fashion. He looks terrible in this whole thing, and at one point he's like, "I'm better dressed," and I'm like, "No, you are not. N- no, no, you are not." It, he's dressed like Sergeant Pepper in like, the next scene. It's awful. He's. For, I think in this in this might be the scene where he's dressed like Oliver Twist, and then the next one he has like a sergeant's jacket on and a weird hat when he's talking to his dad. Yeah. And like, goodness, this this is, 2009, I guess, was a bad time for clothing? It's, it's high fashion. <laughs> I guess, it, I guess of the, in the mind of an Ohio teen, yes. Yeah, it, in the mind of an Ohio teen, who is very much so a nonconformist in general, but is also trying to express his, his sexuality and gender identity in Ohio yeah. in 2009. Yeah. Uh, he, he is doing the best that he can. I He's guess. not always doing it the most, the the most, uh, the most consistently. Yeah. The fact that Chris Colfer still looks like a Cabbage Patch doll probably doesn't help. No, yeah. I do appreciate that even the like the show makeup he has on can't hide his zits because he's clearly still like a teen. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He I, was. I very much appreciate that. The actor was. 18 or 19 when the show started. He was the youngest of all the other Glee kids. Okay, so yeah, him him, baby at this point. Everyone else um, was well most, into their shows, teens. Or most shows that, that are like about teens, like, they just have perfect skin and they don't, like, they they look like they're on TV. And like, this kid like looks like he is like a teenager who's like, yeah. has some acne that he's, that he's got going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Will, like, he also says that uh, defying gravity has a high F, and Kurt's like, I can definitely hit that with my range. And Will's still like, uh, oh, then we'll find a boy song for you to sing with a high note. Anyways, Rachel. Yeah. And also, Will says, this episode is about wheelchairs, goddammit. Yeah. Uh, and he tells everyone, everyone, you have to you have to go be in wheelchairs for at least three hours a day to learn what Artie's life is like. And also, we are doing the bake sale, because... Will Schuster has found the hill he's going to die on in this episode. It's wheelchairs and baked goods, damn it. <laughs> this this seems equally insensitive, right? I have uh, how do I word this? I'm able-bodied, so take my opinion with a grain of salt. On the one hand, I've heard horror stories about how expensive wheelchairs can get in the States because nothing's insured. And I yep. would hate to be the person who's like, I'm going to go buy a wheelchair at a steep, steep discount. And you get there and they're all gone because yeah, some yeah. maniacal high school teacher has decided he's going to teach his <laughs> oh, kids yeah, a lesson. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Has 
bought 12 of them. Yeah, he he bought he bought 11 wheelchairs from a nursing home. I mean, yeah, those are those are haunted chairs for oh, yeah, sure. People probably died in uh, those one chairs. Of my, one of my best friends has cerebral palsy and uh it mostly affects his legs, so he has uh leg braces on and the just mm-hmm. the absolute nightmare of him being like when he was not like fully insured and he's like well i can't get new ones right now so he had to like basically macgyver them to get them back like like replacing the velcro putting in like new pads all that stuff he had to do himself like that was ridiculous and terribly expensive to get it just like to have it done like properly so i can only imagine they're just being a bunch of like being like oh sweet we can you know there's some wheelchairs for sale that are that are easy to you know to get to, and nope, someone's trying to teach some kids a lesson, so he took them all. I would like to I, it, a better alternative or a better reason just occurred to me. Maybe the nursing home that we bought them from was better funded than the high school, and they had the money to replace their wheelchairs with better, uh, with like actual better models and stuff yeah, for their I mean, residents. Also, he's only going to have them for a little <laughs> while. Uh, that's a nice and idea. presumably then donate them, I hope. Yeah, he better be donate them. He better not pr- try and turn a profit on those wheelchairs. Yeah. No, let's hope not. Um, now, see, on the other hand, these kids do need to learn a lesson. And they do. I, I do think that the, it's probably the best way to teach an, an able-bodied person what it's like to not be able-bodied is to stick them in a wheelchair. I don't think three hours is long enough. He should have glued them to those chairs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But because we can't show the kids sitting in wheelchairs eight hours a day, we do get to have a montage of wheelchair humiliation with the able-bodied kids. <laughs> Which is mostly just, hey, Finn is being short for the first time in his life and Rachel gets some stroganoff on her face. Yeah, that looked nasty. That was some ugly, ugly stroganoff. <laughs> Yeah. Also, uh, just just to skip back a scene, when the kids are complaining about having to sit in wheelchairs, Rachel says that, oh, we didn't think Artie would take it personally. And Artie turns to Rachel, well, you're irritating most of the time, but don't take that personally. personally. That was a a good one. (laughs) And she says, does not compute. (laughs) (laughs) She just accepts it. Hey, I have a question. Um, Is Rachel the worst? No. Yeah. See, I am tempted to side with Tanner on this one because I feel like Rachel is the worst. She she has her she has her moments, and up until this episode, she was you know becoming a better person. But this episode, they were like, "No, we need everyone besides Artie and Kurt to be in the wrong." So everyone has to forget their character development. Yeah, it seems like a big slide back if she was making progress because she's just full tilt this whole time and it's it's a lot yeah yeah see rachel's whole shtick in the beginning is that she has she's great at singing and bad at people and the writers decided that it was such a great dynamic that they wanted to keep her in that characterization for the next four seasons ah minimum i didn't realize it was that bad (laughs) well i guess you'll have time to learn because you've made a commitment (laughs) <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Talk about peaks and valleys. Uh. So anyway, yeah. So now they have to be in wheel because they're doing a wheelchair number at sectionals, which is a yep. couch and not um, and not, <laughs> and not a competition. <laughs> Section of what? The country. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like I think the way that it it's, goes it's smaller is like than regionals. It is. There, there's nationals, which is obviously you know like across the whole. Con- I'm assuming continental U.S. <laughs> um, or contigu- contiguous U.S. Um, and then they have. Uh, and then they have regionals, which I'm assuming is probably, you know, like, hey, like, like upper Midwest, southern Midwest, west coast, east coast, like, one specifically for, like... New England. One specifically for California, one specifically for New England, because they're so densely populated. There's a lot of folks there. And then I think... Yeah. And then I think sectionals is probably like, hey, here is here is the one for maybe, like, maybe your state or, like, your part of Ohio. Okay. Cause we, cause like for our, like our sports teams, they had like district competitions or basketball matches or whatever. Um, I didn't go to many, if if you could not guess. Yeah. Um, So if sectionals is that, then that makes sense. But they said sectionals so many times that I was like, am I, did I miss something? That is a couch that I used to have. Like, so, okay. They got to buy a couch. It's important for show choir. Have a couch for show choir. Everyone knows this. (laughs) Listeners, this will come back in about five episodes. <laughs> they buy a big couch. Or no, no, even even fewer. No, uh, this is episode nine, so this will come back in uh, three episodes. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I hooks. But I, I, I wonder if the naming thing with sectionals and regionals is because Ryan Murphy has been out of high school right. for a very long time <laughs> <laughs> and forgot what and forgot how high school works. Yeah, you know that makes sense. It tracks. Also, uh, this is one thread that I don't want to pull on the Glee sweater, because if you look at the number of teams from specific parts of the country, like, and, like, track the, which states are represented, like, between sectionals and regionals and nationals, the numbers don't add up, and I don't want to get that deep into the math, or I think I'm going to start, like, bleeding from the eyes. <laughs> yeah, resist the urge to make a spreadsheet about it, please. <laughs> Tell you what, we can worry about that math if we ever have to address it. <laughs> Worst case scenario, I message Lindsay and Ryan and tell them to go over to your house and, like, tackle you to the ground. <laughs> no, tell them to bring over a whiteboard and some dry erase markers. <laughs> no. I will not let- I will not enable this, Tanner. <laughs> there are some things that do not need to be analyzed. Friends don't let friends do too much math. Yeah, that's- that's a good moral. Yeah. So when does Michael O'Malley show up? Is that soon? Because that's my next note. <laughs> yeah, we, there's there's one scene before Michael O'Malley. We have to get through the romantic baking scene first. Oh right. Yeah, we got we got some cute baking uh, baking and flirting, which is just hey Quinn's trying to make cookies and Puck says here take eighteen dollars to support this <laughs> child, which is biologically mine. And she says no, but they have a fight with baking ingredients, and it is kind of cute. Um... But then they stop because Finn walks in. And poor Finn, he has now one piece of the puzzle. Yeah. He found one page out of the Book of Mist. <laughs> well, he's gonna... Fortunately, he does not seem like the type who can figure out how to turn the observatory on. So I feel like it's mm-hmm. gonna take him a little bit uh, anyway to, to get there. Oh, yeah. But yeah, but this... Also, like, again, like, I get, like, is it Puck or Punk? I genuinely do not know. It's Puck because his last name is Puckerman. Okay, but I'm I'm very tempted to just call him Punk. <laughs> that Punk. It's what it sounded like a couple times, but uh, he seems like uh like a decent person, but just like an idiot and who's in over his head, but trying his best. Whereas like he, it's a good foil to Finn because Finn's like 
I don't know how to try at all. Here I am. Puck's whole arc is that he starts he starts off as a legitimate bully, and then he tries mm-hmm. to better himself to prove that he can be boyfriend material. Okay. That's why he gives Quinn the $18 from pool cleaning, minus money he spent on chip dip and nunchucks. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not not on chip dip. Just dip. Just dip. Just dip. What? Well, what other kind of dip is there? Uh, uh the like, tobacco like kind. Tobacco. Oh, yeah, it's called dip. Um, okay. Also, nunchucks are expensive. How much pool money did that kid make? Here's well, the- Jake. It's it's not. He, he's not just cleaning the pools. It's <sighs> he's ha- he's having sex with the people who own uh, the pools, he, specifically the hot well, moms. Sure. He's an alleged sixteen-year-old having sex with cougars. Well, that's a crime. It is. So, you know, that's that's going to work out for everybody, I assume. It's sometimes it's easy to forget that these are supposed to be like 15, 16-year-olds considering all of the concerning sex stuff that happens. Yeah. And it's on like a regular network show. Like it's not on like ABC Family. It was on Fox <laughs> where it's like these are teens more or less. These are more teen shows. It's just like, nope, this is on primetime. Yep. <laughs> They're teens, but we're not going to treat them that way. Weird. Yeah. So good news. Now we get to actually have like a satisfying emotional uh, arc in this episode because it's Bert and Kurt who are father and son because someone was having some someone was out of ideas in the writer's <laughs> room when they were naming Kurt's dad. It was 4.55 on a Friday when they had to name Michael <laughs> Malley's character. Yeah. Uh, Michael Malley rules. He's clearly the best character on the show, as far as I know, because uh, he, I understand everywhere he's coming from, and it's not very, like, wild. Like, his, it's all of his reactions are regular people reactions, and I like that about mm-hmm. him. Yeah. It's actually, like, it's also a really nice scene, because they're hanging out at, uh, well, I say they're hanging out, by which I mean, I think Kurt is supposed to be, like, working and helping out at the garage. Yeah. Um. But he's clearly upset, and Bert says, like, what is wrong? And he asks, you know, like, what's wrong? How can I help in, you know, the the fumbling dad kind of a way? Yeah. And Kurt says, like, hey, I, yeah, I uh, I want a solo, but I can't have it because it's capital T traditionally capital F feminine. Which is not great. <laughs> no. Uh, but I, I love that he's just, like, it takes him like a second to wrap his head like it takes Bert like a second to like wrap his head around what like what he is being told and then the next scene is like a smash cut to him in the principal's office like hey this sucks <laughs> like you better, like this is this is discriminatory yeah we do get to see the first shot and the first appearance of Lauren Zeises, who is a phenomenal character and she's on the men's wrestling team yeah she's not named yet but keep keep her in mind she'll be important later yeah yeah, but we get to have a we have a really good scene about Bert Hummel actually yelling at Figgins and Will. Like, how are you going to set this up? Let's consider all the options and make sure that it's a well organized contest. Yeah. And everyone's like, "Oh, why didn't we think of that?" <laughs> There's also a part where he's like, "We'll hold auditions," and Bert's like, "Is auditions like tryouts? Because that I understand and I'm on board with." <laughs> he's like, "That seems fair." It's a good dude. He does also threaten to torch the school, which is good. Yes, he said the only thing keeping me from taking a flamethrower to this place, so I get where he's coming from. And also probably the amount of asbestos in the walls. (laughs) Oh, probably. (laughs) And the ceiling. Is there just a bunch of asbestos here? Is that a plot point? 
No, that no, that's that's me making oh, a joke. Oh, you got the only way to get g- rid of it given, is you got to burn it down. Yeah. G- well, given how cheaply this school is built and operated, I have to assume that the building standards were politely ignored. <laughs> Can asbestos make you hallucinate? I don't think so. I don't know. Probably. I, okay. I don't want to find out. Well, then there might be based on future episodes. Uh, my grandpa uh, was in the Navy and he was a mechanic and um, they used to, to, whenever there was like leaky pipes or anything, what they would do is take a handful of asbestos and then dip it in water and just slap it on the problem. Oh, no. And then he had terrible lung issues later on <laughs> and, um, oh, for, no. you know, obvious asbestos uh, related reasons, I do not recall him ever mentioning any hallucinatory properties they had. Okay. He did get a Felix the Cat tattoo in Panama, though, but that was mostly peer pressure. <laughs> your dad's- your, not your dad, your grandpa sounds awesome. He was wonderful. Uh, he got it because it was the smallest one on the tattoo flash sheet, and he did not want anything bigger than that. There's in a very- awful play it was like right on his forearm like right here it was it was great it was basically like a blue blob um you know by by the by the end but it you know you can squint and see felix the cat sitting on two dice so anyway hmm. but no i don't think it makes you hallucinate i guess is the long story short okay cool Oh, uh, before I forget, we should, uh, as as much as I support Rachel having character development, she does tell Will, next time, let's, like, like try and make a teaching moment that doesn't ruin my life before she tries to storm out in her wheelchair. This, this might be where the, um, my, uh, Rachel is, Rachel sucks the most note comes from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely not unearned. This- it's pretty bad. <laughs> so she's uncomfortable and things are not about her. <laughs> we get to sadly we have to we have to leave Mike O'Malley behind for a couple of scenes because we have to go to Will and Figgins talking about how, hey, the school needs wheelchair access. And then also Sue Sylvester is there because Figgins tells her, have an op- have an open audition for Cheerios, and also you should be more diverse. And Will is going to make sure that it's fair, which is a mistake. Oh, wait, there are a few notes um, in the preceding scene that I gotta talk about. Okay, shoot. Because the, in the preceding scene, so this is where Will tells the kids all about the audition, and some things I notice, for one, there's a brief shot of Mike and Matt fiddling with each other's wheelchair brakes, so that's fun. Yeah, that sounds like teens. Um, Kurt gets the club to swear impartiality, and also his legs are impeccably crossed throughout the entire time he's in his chair. And he's even able to do a sassy 360-degree turn in it. <laughs> I feel like that was ad-libbed. <laughs> this is also the only outfit he wears that is not terrible. Yeah, it's just, it's this, it's a short sleeve sweater with some argyle-ness on it. It's good. I could, I think I have worn that. I feel like he had suspenders. He, he probably does have suspenders. He has a lot of suspenders. This... He hasn't entered the fascinator period or the hippo brooch period of his life yet. I don't think I know what either of those are. <laughs> oh, it's a brooch with a hippo. <laughs> sure. Yeah, okay, you know what? I guess At... it's all right there. Fascinators are like the weird kind of like pseudo hats. Oh, the little hats that, that you pin to your like, head. Yeah, it's the... yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, that, that's a fascinator. Sure. <laughs> it's very popular in Britain. Um. Yeah, he gets the club to swear impartiality and has them all raise their right hand and Brittany doesn't know her right or left hand Santana has to point it out for her 
Uh, well, in Brittany's defense, she didn't hold her hands up to make the L, so how are you supposed to know? <laughs> I still have to do that sometimes. I do that all the time. Yeah. And here's a fun fact about Jake Mason. If I tell you right or left, I usually mean the opposite because I just they do not compute right away. <laughs> Uh, so I have to seriously think if I'm giving directions, I have to seriously think about the the immediate ones. I mean, at least yeah. you're not the kind of person who says, "Oh, now you turn south," and I turn to you and say, "That's not a real direction." <laughs> I mean, how am I? It's not a real direction unless you're walking on foot with a compass. Yeah, in hand. exactly. How am I supposed to know that in like the midst of a highway? You gotta, so look up at the sky, figure out where the sun is, figure out what time it is. You're gonna need a watch. <laughs> you're gonna need a sun. <laughs> we can make this work. <laughs> Yeah, so we have we get to cut back to uh, the bake sale, or no one's they're having a very unsuccessful bake sale, and no one wants to buy their their cupcakes because the cupcakes look terrible. I mean, they do look like teens made them at school a couple minutes ago. So fair, yeah, yeah. I I also don't know. Um, they're a dollar each, right? These cupcakes are a dollar each. Yeah, I don't care how bad those cupcakes are for a dollar. I'll buy I'll buy one like. They would have sold some cupcakes from somebody. Maybe unless they're Jake, unli- unless no they're just unlikable people, <laughs> and they're like, no, no one, no one likes Glee Club. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, they're a Glee Club in Ohio. So if you eat the hu- cupcakes, you turn gay. That's uh, how it works. Okay, you're right. That's how it works. I read about that in the newspaper once. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Brittany comes up with Becky. Was her name Becky? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Becky. Who I know I've seen her in the show later. I didn't know this is like is this her mm-hmm. first episode? It is. Yeah, yeah, okay. this is her first episode. Um, yeah, she has Down syndrome, and she comes up and she's like, "Hey, Becky, mm-hmm. don't these cupcakes look great?" And Becky's like, "Yes, they do." And she's like, "Don't you want to buy one?" She's like, "Yes, but I have no money." And then Brittany gives her a dollar to buy a cupcake, and it's very cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now they've made one dollar from Brittany via from Becky via Brittany. <laughs> Also, yeah. Brittany lost her wheelchair. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's not great for her. <laughs> Good news is I think she finds it later in the episode. She will have it back by the end. So I'm assuming someone was like, isn't this one of the wheelchairs uh, Will was using to teach kids lessons or whatever? <laughs> Probably get that back to them. Yeah. Yeah. The, the So the big sale isn't going super great. Uh, they they comment the kids comment like oh hey isn't isn't that Becky like oh I guess she and Brittany are friends okay that's cool didn't need to necessarily say that um, but uh, it's Fit, Quinn yells at Finn for not giving her money for baby Finn is sick of being yelled at he kicks his wheelchair Quinn wheelchairs after him that's the end of the scene blessedly yeah. <laughs> it's rough the high point of the episode was Becky and Brittany. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is rough trying to sympathize for any of those characters. <laughs> yeah, I feel. I feel like if we picked a different episode, you'd really like Finn. I feel. I feel. I. I, I definitely want to like Finn. Um, I feel like there mm-hmm. is stuff there. I just feel like, yeah, maybe this episode is not uh the the best for him. Even though he is like not in the wrong at any given point, especially because he is again being lied to about a very important life decision. Yeah. Yeah. This I don't know. If I remember this might be Finn at his third worst. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Is are you saying third worst in the season, Tanner? Or third worst overall? I'm saying third worst overall. I remember two other points where he's distinctively worse than this, but I can't think of anything else that was 
pretty bad. He's usually, even when he says something stupid or does something stupid, it's just because he himself does not know better. Okay, I'm curious. I'm curious to hear what those other two things are, but we can figure that out later. Yeah. We get to go to Cheerio auditions, um, Mercedes and Kurt and Lauren Zeises and Jacob Ben Israel and some other NPCs try to audition for the Cheerios. <laughs> the breakdancing basketball player was fun. Yeah. Yeah, Kurt tries to do a baton and he gets flung to the back of the bleachers. <laughs> Look, he tried, okay? Lauren Lauren does like menacing cheerleading. Yeah, she's like is she she is here to cheer and to intimidate the competition. <laughs> uh, there's also Mer- Mercedes. She's in the Glee Club. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think she was fine. She was just dismissed out of hand, like a lot of people were. She was dismissed because Sue doesn't want to do step; she wants to do cheer. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm sure there is a difference. But again, to my untrained eye, I was like, seems fine. Seems like good cheering, I guess. Step doesn't usually involve, like, acrobatics and, like, lifts and ah. stuff. It's more, it's it's closer to dance, but it is, they are both performing arts to support, you know, like, pep rallies and it's, stuff. It's more. Ste- step is more dance and, like, floor work and cheerleading is, you know, I'm going to throw this tiny person high in the air. Yeah, it's, it's more. Uh, Step is more bring it on all or nothing rather than bring it on prime. Yes. I'm going to say yes because I haven't seen You need to watch Bring It On at least. The first one's very good. I also like the the third one, but I just have a soft spot for Hayden Panettieri. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we got a... I've seen Prime. I haven't seen any of the sequels. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot about the most important part. Um, which is that Becky, uh, Becky comes in and auditions for the Cheerios and she actually auditions with a jump rope routine, which is a very good thing to do when you're auditioning for a cheer team that is doing a big jump rope routine. Yeah. But Sue lets her in on the spot and Will is suspicious at Sue showing anything vaguely positively, vaguely positive and moral towards her fellow human beings. Yeah. Yeah, it. It will play later. Right now, it's it's like, he just doesn't trust her because all I've seen of her is, like, she's a mean lady. But, like, mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like it's not played as her being, like, anything other than genuine about it. So, I, and I don't like Will uh, very much at all. So, I'm, like, immediately inclined to be like, no, you are in the wrong right now, sir. <laughs> like, <laughs> especially uh, after the next, I think the next time it pops up. uh when i think i think becky is getting some like catch-up training yeah after that that's the point where i was like no you're clearly wrong will you are <laughs> you are not the in the right here but yeah but yeah no becky's on the team so that's dope yeah um puck and finn have a fight yeah broken up by will puck does say that finn is is just complaining about himself and he needs to think about how hard it is on quinn so that's a point in his column. Yeah. Yes. Um, then they just start. It's not really fist fighting. It's more like ground shoving. They're just jostling each other around on the ground. Um, and then Will yeah. breaks them up. And I, I feel like because he knows they are friends, he breaks it up this way. But if this was any other teacher, it wouldn't be like, hey, what's going on? He'd be like, stop fighting. You're both going to detention right now. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's like a group of students, like it's a full on like fight. But he's just like, hey, mm-hmm. what's up? 
<laughs> yeah. You'll learn, uh, well, actually, no, you, I guess you won't learn, because you're not going to be watching Glee, which I not totally did not blame you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, Will, Will has a very, a very come-go attitude when it comes to discipline. He seems like, a, like he's a, I'm not, a, I'm not a real, a regular teacher, I'm a cool teacher. Yeah, he did a cool, he did a cool, uh, adult sit a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Spun his chair around, but. let me get real with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how this is the next part, the wheelchair race that um that Artie and Teen. No, that's uh, at the yeah, end. Yeah, that's way near the end. Um, Maybe I stopped. But we do yeah, have wheelchair like the second practice. Last scene. Hmm? We do have a Teen Artie scene. It's just not the race. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yes, I was in. I uh, I again, I did not. There's no descriptors for my notes. They're just in order. So he, I just wrote, yeah. he is a normal teenage boy because he talks, he's, he has no idea how to flirt and just talks about his penis. Yep. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. Tina asked how he became a paraplegic and Artie says, for the benefit of the audience, my mom and I got into a car accident when I was either eight or nine. I think it says eight. And she was fine, but I got paralyzed. And then he tries to flirt, and Tina's like, "Okay." And he's like, "My penis does work, though." And she's like, "Gotta go," and then, <laughs> and then leaves. <laughs> yeah, she's the most graceful exit you can make from that situation. Also, also, so want to know a fun fandom thing? You know how Kurt's mom is dead? They mentioned a few times in this episode. Oh no! Did they say that it was in the oh, same car no. accident that they did this? That's not canon to the show. But there is a long-standing fandom theory that it was the same accident. Oh, no, I don't that like that. That is uh, unfortunate. <laughs> it says a lot about the fandom and where everyone was in 2009. Yeah. It, it's a, that is a weird kind of fandom thing, though, where like, we got to explain everything, and we should make it tragic, given our druthers. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like, what... What way can we make a connection between these two characters? And what way can we add even more drama to this? And what songs will they sing about it? <laughs> that's mm, a new... That, you're not wrong, that's Tanner. That's a new layer exclusive to Glee from my experience, is what song will they sing about their feelings? Mm-hmm. We could have another wonderful appearance of Bert Hummel because Kurt pre- goes to practice his, uh, his range to see if he actually can hit the high F in Defying Gravity. And it's a really like it's a really nice dramatic scene because it's overlaid with like Kurt practicing and then Bert gets a phone call. Um, I, hey, can I tell you what I was not expecting to hear today? The hard F yeah. word twice. Uh, yeah. On a yeah. on a show that was on primetime Fox, that was surprising. Yeah. Yep. It is really well done though. Like the 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 shot, the way it's like shot together. As for up until like he answered the phone, I thought like Kurt was calling him. To be like, look, to hear yeah. I hit it, but that was not it at all. No, I, I, I got suckered in by the same like framing, which is, you know, that's a that's a good shot. Yeah, just you know, a, just a striking word there at the end. So yeah, yeah. Bert has the proper response, which is, I'm going to kill someone, but also I don't want my son to be yeah. hurt. Yeah, Bert is extremely shaken up when Kirk actually comes in to talk to him and tell him that he hit the high F. And Kurt offers, you know, like, hey, like, I appreciate what you did for me and getting me the chance to audition. I can always not audition. And Bert's like, no, you gotta do it. No one pushes hum- no one pushes Hummels around. 
Yeah, I like I like this scene a lot. because uh, it like mm-hmm. Michael Malley, very good actor, does not get a lot of chances to do dramatic stuff. Really? Like the not that I've seen. Um he he's he was on a sitcom called Yes Dear for like a million years where he was like one of the four main characters and he was like the doofy guy. So he was just kind of a kind of a doofus. Uh and then he's you know, he's hosted a bunch of stuff. He was on The Good Place as a a literally like a weird side character who is just there for frog jokes. Like huh. um who is very great. Always love seeing him and things. Uh he doesn't really get to like act act a lot. And in this, like, he did a really good job because he showed like all of like just the cascading emotions you have to go through to get to like, I'm ready to murder. I'm worried about my kid. I don't want to make this about me. I am still ready to murder. <laughs> like it's just to to get mm-hmm. all there. You know, it's it, that's a, a lot of stuff to do at once, and it was really good. Yeah, I the best part about this scene is when he said like he makes it clear that he's not telling Kurt to pull out or to hide who he is. It's really just him saying, I'm worried about you, and please be careful for both of our sakes. Yeah. 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 Which is good. Is this the part where where Bert says, like, I wish that your mom were here because she was much more emotionally insightful than I am? Yes. Yeah. And Kurt's like, yeah, same. Fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they, they both miss the late Mrs. Hummel. Too bad Artie's mom killed her in a car accident. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait to hear the Joan Jett song they sing about that or whatever. I don't I don't know where their choices come from. They're either very on the nose or just like. Here's a song, I guess. Oh, it probably would have been Jesus take the wheel. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, no. A pan back to Carrie Underwood playing Kurt's mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, now I'm mad this didn't happen. <laughs> anyway, Stephen Toblowski is next. Is this the scene where Finn uh, explains how, he, or Puck explains how he drugged the entire school with cupcakes? No, we have to get, uh, we have to get another scene about how Quinn and Rachel both suck because <laughs> Finn helps Rachel fix her wheelchair. And she says, hey, Finn, please vote for me for Solo. And Quinn says, hey, here's a bill and you need to pay money. And Rachel, you're going to be my witness that I'm serving him with this bill. Finn also says, like, the most tragic throwaway line in the episode, which is, yeah, it's a past due bill. My mom gets these all the time. It is not held on. It is just in passing, just like, oh, here's the thing. And I'm like, oh, no, bud, are you okay? You don't, you, I just realized you don't know how awesome Finn's mom is. She's she was not good. in this episode, so no, I do not. I'll take your word that she's great. Uh, she's. It sounds like a very sad home situation. Yeah. But yeah, now we get to get to uh, Stephen Toblowski and Sandy Ryerson's back again. Time to drug students again. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, is his last name Ryerson? The the character's name is Ryerson. Okay, because yes. that was also the name of his character in Groundhog Day. Okay, that's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. They, gotcha, they, gotcha. They, that's not a. Oh wow. It, I don't think it's. A, it might have been a coincidence, but they were. It was def. If it was, it was not an imaginative yeah. coincidence. And that might be like let's name the character Ryerson after that character from Groundhog Day, and then Steven Toblowski auditioned, and they were like, it's gotta be him. Yeah, I'd be inclined to. Uh, I'd be inclined to believe so that. So does he just give drugs to kids all the time, or what's his deal? 
he his deal is T- Tanner. Do you want to explain Sandy Ryerson? Can I can I guess now that I know a little bit more about Puck's extracurriculars? Is is Puck plowing this dude's life? Because <laughs> I feel no. that's what it seems like to me after the fact. Okay, J- Jake, hold on to your hat. Okay, hold on to your headband. Hold on to the headband. Got it. Sandy Ryerson was the original uh, Glee Club director, and then Rachel found a way to get him fired because she saw him feeling up one of the male students, and then he now he moonlights as a a weed director or weed dealer and then he also tried to poach rachel from the glee club by holding a cabaret musical but then she quit that after he was abusive to her yuck (laughs) and now now his thing is that he just kind of he shows up whenever the writers need someone to be just like one of the most despicable human beings on the show (laughs) Oh God. He he provided Will with um with some weed that he used to frame Finn into being in the Glee Club. Mm, okay. And who else has he given weed to? Um, he gave it to the football coach, but he doesn't show up. Yeah. He may have also given it to I I think everyone else does was not in this episode, so. Okay. The Wowzers Bowser. Yeah, so Sandy's the worst. It's rough. That's real rough. Yeah. Yeah. On the plus side, we get another great line, which is, um, the doctor said the shark fractured my spinal cord. That's why I never go to the aquarium. <laughs> okay, yep. seems like a, like so a real Puck- idiot. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Uh, Puck laced his cupcakes with weed, but then they all got sold in the bake sale, so yay, drugging the yep. school. So now everyone, he said there's not enough to put them out of their mind, but just enough to give them the munchies and keep coming back for more um cupcakes so it's a i mean i guess it's a good business model <laughs> that's that's drug dealing business model but you know i guess uh-huh. i guess if you're already in for a penny yeah yeah puck said i'm gonna do things the way that with the methods that i know best which is lying and crime <laughs> <laughs> well it sold a lot of cupcakes so who's to say if it's wrong or not the episode doesn't seem to care, so... No, it doesn't. It's weed, and that's the funny drug. Sure. Yep. In 2009, that's the funny drug. Here's my question that I have about this. Um, if nobody was buying the cupcakes before, how did you sell so many if nobody bought would want to buy one in the first place? Maybe they got Britney to say how good the cupcakes were, because everyone likes Britney. Maybe. Because it seems it seems to me that if nobody would buy regular cupcakes, they're not going to buy new secret second cupcakes. It just doesn't seem like that's a thing that's going to happen. They did say something about like his grandma's secret recipe or something. So maybe he's like, you got to try them. It's my grandma's recipe. The secret ingredient is love. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm doing too much work for the show, though. So Quite possibly. <laughs> That's okay. You're starting to sound like me when I did a, a season's worth of Glee fanfic and I did have a weed episode. Oh, honey. <laughs> a whole season? No, uh, almost a whole season. One of the episodes ha- was a weed episode. They did sing Reefer Madness. Of, well, yeah, of course. It's either dead, dead on. It's going to be right on the nose. <laughs> um. Anyways, the, the the point being cupcakes, not even once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, 
Next is the scene, uh, another scene with Becky and the Cheerios. Jake, do you want to take this one? Mm-hmm. Uh, is this a, I didn't notice that there were any other Cheerios there. So this is, was, uh, I think it was at the end of practice, right? Cause this is when, when Will's like spying on, on yeah. Becky and Sue is like yeah. coaching her. And to me, it seemed like you are joining the team late. I need to get you up to speed on things. And so she's coaching her. Mm-hmm. And then Will comes in after, you know, she's like, all right, hit the showers, uh, Becky. Becky's like, okay, you got it. And then she leaves. And Will's like, you can't, like, talk to her like that. And she's like, why? Uh, And he's, I forget what he's about to say something. And she's like, you want me to play with kid gloves because she has a disability. And I'm not doing that because she just wants to be treated like everybody else. And you have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to make me the bad guy about it. Because you, Will Schuster, suck ass. (laughs) I'm editorializing the end part there a little bit. But um, I think it's there. Yeah, I th- I think part of why it's like so jarring to see her be as verbally abusive as she normally is is maybe also because here she's saying it directly to one person and not right how it normally is, which is directed at the entire like sixty person squad of the Cheerios, or on her cable news segment, <laughs> or on her cable news segment. Yeah, Sue has a cable news segment. Of course, <laughs> I mean I guess Ohio at the time needed cheer captains that, that's pretty much it okay. actually <laughs> yeah uh she was the closest thing that they have to a celebrity so you know i'm from new hampshire the closest thing we have is michael malley so i get it <laughs> and by the closest thing i mean statewide treasure michael malley is ours and no one can take him from us yeah yeah i do really like the scene though i i i don't know i know like will in all like the lead up to Glee, it was all about him being like, I want to make the Glee team again. And so like I'm I'm assuming that he is like propositioned that's not the word I'm looking for. Positioned maybe as like the main character, but not like because an ensemble cast, but not like the like he, it's not like the Will Schuster show, but it's like it's he's like the a focal point. Mm-hmm. But I do not like him at all, and I think he's clearly in the wrong here. And I don't know if that's on purpose or if the show is just really toned up about that. I think a little column A, a little column B. What do you think, Tanner? Okay. Yeah, I, I think, Jake, you've got it pretty much on the money uh, in the sense that he's definitely a major character, but that doesn't mean they did the work on making him a good person. Okay. And, like, later on, they realized that people cared about the teens more than the adults, and so they toned down a lot of Will stuff anyways. Okay. Mm-hmm. He has a great jawline, but that's really all I like about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, but yeah, Sue Sue backhands verbally backhands him down, and then he's like, mm-hmm. "You're up to something. I'm gonna get you." Yeah. But we get to we get to cut away from adults being overly suspicious of each other to the diva off, the first annual diva off. <laughs> oh, they've done more than one a year. I know. I'm just saying, like that's how Will phrase it. He's like, he knew this was gonna happen a lot. So he said, uh, "Yeah, there's too many big personalities to not fight over solos." Yeah. yeah, he thought of he thought of a name for it. So like, obviously, he's got to keep doing mm-hmm. it. This this is actually the this is the second musical number of the episode. It's only the second song. So Kurt and Rachel get to duet, by which I mean they sing "Defying Gravity" at the same time, and they never sing harmony. They just cut between who's singing. <laughs> but I like the way that this is shot. I think it works really well. Yeah. My only gripe with this number, because it, it's sung very well, it's shot very well, is just the fact that 
it, like you mentioned earlier, it's the pop version. It's kind of a watered-down version from the stage. Because mm-hmm. the, in the stage show, this is an act finale. This is huge yeah. and bombastic, and Adina Menzel is lifted 100 feet in the air <laughs> or something. Yeah. And it does not carry that kind of emotional weight that I used to when I watch performances or animatics mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, it's... To be fair, I think scaling it back to the pop song makes it something where they where they could make it feasibly being sung by high schoolers. Like, it's hard to, you know, do the final act, the, 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 the ending number for the first act of Wicked as a show choir if you aren't going to, like, physically throw someone into the air to be alpha-defying gravity. <laughs> but if you can't, then is it even worth it? <laughs> Why even bother in the first place? <laughs> Um, I've never yeah. heard the song before, uh, so this is because I don't listen to a ton of musicals. Um, this is a good song. <laughs> the song is very yeah. good. And I liked how they did it. Yeah, my like, my note here is like, I want them. I want Leah Michelle who plays Rachel and Kurt and uh, Chris Colfer who plays Kurt. I want them to like. I want them to sing it now in 2020 as adults with developed vocal ranges. Yeah. Because <laughs> Chris Culver's wasn't when he was singing this, and he did, he did a fine job, but I want to hear what it's like as a full adult singing it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I thought it, it, because of the way they, like, cut between the two of them uh, the whole mm-hmm. time, and then when they get to the high F, um, Kurt flubs it and is later revealed that it was on purpose but yeah it you can you can tell that he's throwing it because it like, sounds it sounds a it's a very good sounding vocal crack yeah and it's like he's like staring at the camera basically when he does it <laughs> so i was like oh that's a bummer. wait a minute um but uh i don't know why they didn't like because they they put it together but only only for like the show like if you are in the kayfabe they sing one sings it and then the other sings it they should they should have done it as a duet. It sounded very nice. Yeah, on the on the version of Defying Gravity that was released, they actually do have it as like a proper duet with, you know, like, hey, Leah Michelle takes a verse and then Chris Colfer takes a verse and they sing in harmony. But they also released versions of each of them like singing the entire song solo. They just wanted yeah. to do the cut between, I guess, on the show. Yeah. Makes sense. I feel like like Will was presented with this perfect opportunity to have it both ways. And then didn't. <laughs> Look, no one ever said that Will Schuster is a creative person. I'm getting that. <laughs> yeah, Kurt looks torn up through the entire song, and a good chunk of the Glee Club look pretty bummed out that Kurt misses the note, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you could. I feel so sorry. Like, big kudos to Chris Colfer on his acting ability because, like, you can tell how conflicted he is that he's like, I am going to throw myself on the sword of supporting rachel berry's ego uh right. for the sake of my dad and okay but oh god i have to do it okay here goes <laughs> yeah it's good it was well done mm-hmm. then we get to mood whiplash to hey puck stole money from the wheelchair fund <laughs> <laughs> but quinn realizes it and says no you give that back right now yeah he's like i made the cupcake so i should get to keep some of the money and not how that works <laughs> not entirely i don't think no certainly not the amount that you were keeping i understand like parts and labor on the cupcakes but i feel like he took like half and they were like we would notice someone would notice yeah i mean quinn quinn does say that like she understands why 
he would do that, and she's glad he's trying to be supportive, and he's definitely gotten kinder, but also he should be smart enough to know that it's not right to steal from a friend in a wheelchair. I like that they they both specifically agree, Artie's a friend, and yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Then we get to have another great moment because, hey, Finn pulls up and says, hey, Quinn, here's my first paycheck because I went and lied about being handicapped uh, to get a job. Yeah, this is this is bad. After Rachel intimidated someone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's real bad. It's real bad. Um, And and like, I don't want to put it all on Finn because it is Rachel's idea. So it's just another another check in the L column for me uh, liking that character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she goes in and one of the guys from the guild is there. Um and she's like you there's a uh, Felicia Day's web show. Okay, oh, yeah. that's from, my thought. From uh let me just check uh one Gregorian century ago it feels like. Um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, uh yeah, it's, his, his name's Jeff. I don't remember his last name. He was he was in it. Um but he's there and he's the manager of I'm assuming the Olive Garden. Um because that's where Finn said in the beginning that he applied for, but was too tall to be a busboy, oh, yeah. which I don't think is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Having longer arms, I don't think has ever been to anyone's detriment in the food service industry. Well, the, the thing is that Finn has, they, they told Corey Monteith who played Finn, like they said, Hey, you need to act like you have absolutely no physical coordination whatsoever. And he did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess maybe that's like, hey, you're too tall. You're going to drop all the plates when you're bussing ah. the tables or whatever. <laughs> they, will, they will fall far. They will hit terminal velocity quicker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, also, if this is the Olive Garden, when he goes in in a wheelchair, wouldn't he be like, hey, yesterday you weren't in a wheelchair? Shouldn't you be recovering somewhere or something right like jake, jake that's too much logic it's a quick turnaround <laughs> well he went to the aquarium but they have like a great nurse's office there <laughs> you're right <laughs> terrible sharks but great nurses yeah <laughs> and yeah rachel goes on like a whole diatribe on how it could be seen as discrimination if finn is in a wheelchair and he doesn't get a job and rachel can use the power of her two gay dads as lawyers to bring the wrath of the American legal system down on this Olive Garden, and Finn's just <laughs> sitting there like, yeah, it's a living. I'm in over my head. <laughs> yep. Because then we cut back to the present, and he's like, so I gotta stay in the wheelchair the entire time I work there, but I think it'll be worth it. And it's like, oh, sweetie, you're trying your best out here, okay. Yeah. Also, when Finn pulls up, Puck shoves the entire wad of cash in his pants. <laughs> yep, he does. <laughs> Let's just pray he wasn't going commando that day. <laughs> I mean, it's already money. Money's dirty, so it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Then we get to go to the Glee Club, and hey, guess what? They raised double the amount they needed to rent the handicap bus uh, for sectionals. Artie says, no, actually, I want to use... I appreciate that you did this, but actually, let's put a ramp in the auditorium where we do a lot of our practicing. Yeah. Uh, this is another thing that I was like... I I like it and I get where they're coming from, but it definitely seems like it was uh like I don't know how to put this in a way that won't make me sound extremely dumb. It's it seems like it is like hey uh uh kid in wheelchair 
you need to throw yourself on the sword um, to get sympathy for the episode. Uh, because he's like, no, but like, think of the kids after me. And it's like, very noble, yes, but at the same time, feels like a little much for like from a script standpoint. And also, like, I mean, remember that Ryan Murphy was writing this. Okay. The, the only stories that Ryan Murphy tells with subtlety are the stories of people who do murders and also occasionally people who are gay. <laughs> I, do, so. I don't. I'm not familiar with a ton of Ryan Murphy properties because I I watch several episodes and go, nope, not for me, and then leave. So I'll take your word for it. Yeah, yeah. I I don't necessarily mind it because, like, it it'd be one thing if Artie was giving something up for the benefit of the able-bodied kids, but he's yeah. he's investing in something that's going to be worthwhile for the rest of his high school life. Because he's, I mean, they don't say it in the episode, but he's a freshman. He's going to be here for four years. Yeah. It's going to be real convenient if there's a ramp to get him in and out of the auditorium where they do a lot of performances. Right. Whereas getting, like, a handicapable bus for one week, uh, for one tournament, it all it does almost seem like a waste. Yeah, I like. I, said, I don't think it's That's bad. That's a good perspective. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think it like it is good. It just it feels like it was written by somebody going like, how do I make this character more noble and heroic than like we already have shown so far? And I I just feel like it's a little more than they needed to do. It's understandable from a character, but like from outside, like scripted production wise, I'm like, okay, Ryan, we get it. Yeah, see what you're doing there, bud. Oh no, then we get to have our cake and eat it too, because mm-hmm. we immediately cut to Will being confused in Fingers' office, because we find out that Sue just randomly marched in there, wrote him a check for three wheelchair ramps, and left. Mm-hmm. So it turns out they do get the bus, yay! Yeah. Art- Artie's, Artie's uh, thoughtful sacrifice means nothing now. <laughs> and Will is still trying to figure out what kind of long con Sue is running on him. Yeah, yeah. this is... Again, this is like the third nail in his coffin, or he's just like, no, she is in the wrong. I feel like she's up to something. It's like, okay, why yeah. though? <laughs> it turns out that what Sue's up to is um, Sue goes to visit her older sister Jean, uh, who has Down syndrome and lives in his, and lives in an assisted care facility. And what a terrible person she must be! <laughs> Get yeah. her. And it, it's a very heartfelt moment of emotional sincerity that does get forgotten about and discarded at some point during the course of Glee as a series. Yeah. Well, on a long enough timeline, I guess that's going to happen. Yeah, I... See, see, this is the thing that... This, this shows that Sue has a heart. After the eight preceding episodes showing that she's, like, real mean and nasty and concerning kind of person who says things no human should say then we get to see that she has like a a soft center and so you're like oh okay so like even even the antagonist of the show can have care about people yeah Mm -hmm. but then because they go on so long and sue continues to act the way she does and she basically picks and chooses who she wants to care about that it's hard for me to take her seriously when she is being emotionally genuine yeah right it I, that definitely yeah. seems like a like a um glee is a victim of its own success in that sense oh my and gosh that, yes and that they are mm-hmm. like oh people love sue and how she's mean let's keep her doing that 
Yeah. Even though like it doesn't it it at some point will stop making sense that like she doesn't get any better or in, in I guess in some cases gets worse at a point. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a very fair way to put it. Yeah. Also back to the says things no human should say. A lot of characters on this show do that from the mm-hmm. one episode that I've seen in recent memory. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Kurt sounds like he is written by an old dude. <laughs> so Mercedes is definitely written by a white person. There's a line yep. near the beginning of the episode where she says, "We need to dip something in my chocolate." Yeah, I know. I thought no, I no. Will says that because Mercedes says like, "I want to put my chocolate thunder up on something," and I'm like, "Hmm." <laughs> and then Will says, "It's okay. We'll find we'll find a song we can dip your chocolate on." And I was like, hey. "Yikes! Yikes! 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 Yikes!" <laughs> thanks, Ryan. No thanks. But it is yeah. a very nice scene to 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 get back to that. It is it is yeah. very sweet. Yeah. And again, having only seen the one episode in the past decade or so, uh, like mm-hmm. it, I I buy that Sue is not just a terrible person from it. And also, sometimes you can just do good things to do good things. Yeah. And I yeah. Fe- I feel like Will is just not able to believe that about people. Yeah, I think I think you're definitely hitting the nail on the head, especially in terms of. Sue Sue is good in this episode, and Will's terribleness is consistent across the series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now we finally get to the cute little wheelchair date chase scene through the empty school with Tina and Artie. And it's really sweet. Well, it's it's really sweet up until a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, they, do, they do a wheelchair race, and Artie wins because he's had a lot more experience uh, maneuvering in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and then they have like this little moment and she's like, I'm actually going to stand up now. He's like, why? And then he gets a smooch, mm-hmm. um, which was, which was pretty sweet. And then she confesses that her stutter is fake. I, I know she has one because Artie said she had one earlier. Yeah. But other than that, she did not get enough screen time that I would have picked up on it by myself. Yep, that's the that's the story of Tina on Glee. Yeah. They okay. don't make enough they don't make enough use of her. That kind of sucks cuz I like her character a lot. But yeah, I guess I guess it does. <laughs> that's it. So. Yeah. Art, Artie's upset because uh she's been faking the the stutter and lying to him and he breaks up with her because it's like, well, this is not the fact that you were lying to me about something that is so I don't know. That that was something that we almost had in common is very upsetting to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get that though because like he even says you get to stop your stutter and stand up out of the wheelchair and be normal and I have to stay in here and I don't get to push people away cuz that's why she faked the stutter was cuz she just wanted to be left alone in 6th grade and she just stuck with it all through that's commitment to stick with it into high school. Yeah. But yeah, Artie's like, yeah, the chair pushes people away for me, and I don't get to stand up and just walk around like you do. So, yeah, you really don't understand what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is one of the few scenes where both the kids were, like, like written, like, very genuinely. Because, like, she is like, I we're getting close, I feel like I should say this thing. So you understand where she is coming from, and then when Artie's like, Actually, that's really crappy of you to do, like, and here's why I have these problems, and I'm going to go now. And you're like, oh, he's mm-hmm. also completely in the right for this. Um, yeah. This, this is maybe my favorite scene in the, uh, in the episode, aside from Brittany being confused by recipes. 
Yeah. We get to have then another positive scene because uh, Kurt and his dad get to go talk together. Yeah. Kurt goes to tell Bert that he didn't get the part and he leads with that. And Bert is immediately like, I knew it was going to be rigged. I'm, I'm going down there right now. I think he's like, I'm going to go fist fight Will Schuster uh, myself. <laughs> oh, I would, I would pay to see that. <laughs> um, and Kurt's like, no, I, I, I blew the note. Like I didn't, I did it on purpose. And he's like, why? And he's like, cause I saw how upset you were when that thing happened. And like, I, it was only going to, it was only going to get worse. And I didn't want to do that to you. So I, I blew the note. Like I'm, I'm gonna get out of this. He says he calls it like a cow town or something like that, mm-hmm. um, which I'm assuming just means it's a lot of cows there. <laughs> yeah. Um. And he's like, that's what's gonna get me out of here. But like, you're not. Like, you live. You're gonna stay here, and I don't want to like, you know, put that bear trap around you. I guess it was also a very nice scene. It's it's anchored yeah. very well. Yeah. I think at one point Kurt says, "I love you more than I love being a star," and it's like. That's a, I feel like that's maybe like the the big difference between Kurt and Rachel is that both of them love the spotlight, but Kurt knows that like he has he has personal relationships and people that he values more highly than being the center of attention and stardom and excellence. Whereas Rachel does not have so far does not have people that she would put above her own excellence. Yeah, yeah I think also also Kurt like just I mean just from context from this like little talk. He understands that, like, being the star for a one Glee Club show in Ohio, like, that's not going to, that's not worth as much as, like, how much I love my dad, you know? Mm-hmm. So this is where we transition into Proud Mary, as covered by Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. And they're all rolling in a wheelchairs. Yep. Very on the nose. <laughs> yes. Extremely on the nose. Yeah. I do like this one, this number because it's like they're all dressed like Artie, which is like okay, fine. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a good song. Like we get to hear we get to hear musical solos from Artie and Mercedes and Tina, and Kevin McHale gets to use his bass range, which is very good. Yeah, and like the Glee kids are all like they're all making lots of really big expressive facial emotions <laughs> like can you see that we can emote <laughs> uh, i mean they are they are doing that i don't know if it is the same as emoting but it you know i guess it plays the cheap seats which is good for a glee club performance this is it sounds good but this is the dorkiest number they've done so far yes let's i want to break down exactly why first off like you mentioned they're all dressed like Artie, yes which seems a little mean (laughs) on the surface i'd like to think it was Artie's idea well then okay i will accept that you all have to live like a day in the life Artie said yeah Artie said this is how you will make it up to me (laughs) right yes you all have to wear my dumb shirt and part your hair down the middle yeah and all the girls have to have pigtails I guess he's into that. I look. I mean, sure, it works. <laughs> so uh, again, he is a regular teen boy. So this, yeah. Uh, number two, uh, near the beginning, Finn shouts, "This one's for you, Artie." That sucked. <laughs> and most dialogue is not included in the official release of the songs. This one is. Oh really? If you want to hop on to Spotify and listen to the Glee class sing "Proud Mary," then like right at the beginning, you hear Cory Monteith's disembodied voice. This one's for you, Artie. 
That was so lame. <laughs> it was incredibly dorky. Yeah. And number three, um, it's not the fact that they're in wheelchairs. It's the fact that they are not wheelchair dancers. Because there are wheelchair dancers. And Kevin McHale clearly got some training in this because he does some moves mm-hmm. in Dancing With Myself. But so many of these kids, all they know is forward, back, and do a turn sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So most of the choreography is just them excitedly shimmying without actually moving. And there should be so much motion. And it's just everyone stop and do a wiggle. Yeah. Also, they're yeah. like the way they're shimmying is they're like pulling one wheel up and then going to the other side. So they just be like a constant like thump, 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 the whole time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. There, there's not a lot of, it's mostly just them like moving around the stage a lot, which is again, like a shell game where you're just like, oh, everything's moving. This is exciting. But yeah, when yeah. you look at it, like no one's doing anything fancy in particular. Yeah. Which I think, I think does make sense because earlier in the episode, there was a bit where Artie was trying to teach them how to like do stuff. And nobody got it. He's like, you just, you, you turn one wheel and then you crank back on the other one and you'll do a double spin. And everyone's like, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen for me. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, like, now I want to hear, like, the version of Proud Mary, but, like, with the rest of the background noises dubbed in, you know, like, like, the, like, like the whirring of the wheels and like, like you said, Jake, like the thump, 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 yeah. And like the creaking of the right of like the set as they like roll up and down on the ramps yeah. and just like I I want to hear that. <laughs> I also have a question about this big ramp thing they have. Mm-hmm. Is that new? I have no idea. Tanner, do you know? Have they used this before? Because if not, I know where the rest of the bus money went. Yeah, I was about to say bus only cost six hundred bucks and they got twelve hundred, so yeah, so I think that this might be it, because otherwise this is a very specific uh, set piece to just have laying around. Maybe they made this set because they are planning to take this number to sectionals, and they were like, well, we're going to need it anyway, we might as well practice Yeah, on maybe it. that oh, one maybe. they were able to get out of the school budget because it was for the club. Huh, okay. Because they- Again, we're doing a lot of work for the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tr- trying to figure out, like- sets and costumes for all these numbers that apparently do take place in the real world is another one of those threads that you're not supposed to be pulling. <laughs> yeah. I accept. I accept that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's a fine number. Like, once they get done, like, Will is clapping. Like, yes, the club did something competent in Look this episode. Look what I did! <laughs> Ableism is over! <laughs> we fixed it, y'all! <laughs> Um, but also then I think it's fun because like, then, you know, like the cast all rolls together at the end of the song and they're all like laughing and having a good time and congratulating each other. And I feel like that's one that was just, they just left the camera rolling when they were done with the performance. Yeah, probably. But cause it's, it feels more genuine than the kids have gotten to at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's it. Yeah. That's where my notes stop. Yeah. I don't know if anything else happens after this. No, yeah, that's, that <laughs> no, that's was when, the end of the That's when it cuts to black. Okay. Yeah, um, I started, so which one of you wants to go first and uh, pick out your gold star song, think, best musical number? I think it should be Jake, just because he's the guest. You're the guest. Yes, I am, I am special for this one time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so just best song in the, in the episode? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it to Defying Gravity. I, again, I, I, if I heard it, it was, I didn't, I've never listened to it before. 
mm-hmm. but it was good and i i dig the uh the the kind of dueling it's not a duet it was a duel of a song uh and i, I think that That's really worked true, for yeah. it and it sounded really good um i want to give my gold star song to dancing with myself mm-hmm. um just because yeah i defying gravity it pales in comparison to the original proud mary is just kind of preposterous so dancing with myself <laughs> not just by default but also because i do really love the the singing and the staging of it it manages to win on both counts yeah that's fair i think yeah I'm going to make it an even spread here, and I'm going to say that my favorite number is Proud Mary, because uh, even though, like you said, Tanner, it is a very dorky, uh, a very dorky performance. <laughs> it's real dorky. It is still a really fun song. Like, you put that on in the car when you're driving, and you have to make sure that you don't, that you don't, like, drive 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. <laughs> <laughs> then you'd be rolling. Yeah, really. <laughs> Into jail. <laughs> Yeah, because Highway Patrol sucks. Yeah. All right. Now, Jake, aside from songs, what was just your gold star moment in general? Um, I don't know. There, there was, there was. Despite my trepidation about this, there were a lot of good things. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to, um, to to Mike O'Malley. I don't know if I can pinpoint one. It was either after the terrible phone call, or when Kurt said he didn't get the solo that he wanted to do because mm-hmm. they were both just like really well done. Like they were completely, it was the most human anything on this show had that I have seen was like everything else seems extremely like a television show, but this is like, this is a dad uh, who's like mad about things for his mm-hmm. kid, you know? And I, I so I'm just going to give it to Mike O'Malley just in general, because he's great and deserves as many gold stars as anyone can give him. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I, I think I'm going to copy your answer. Yeah. Uh, uh, triple threat in that case, then, because my my gold star is also uh, the relationship between uh, Kurt and Bert and how and how realistic and supportive he is and also how, how much he's like, someone is making my son unhappy. Let me go yell at the problem until it goes away. Yeah. And there's also like it like there's a lot of layers to it because you can also definitely feel that him being like, I don't know the best way to deal with this. So I'm going to just try my hardest. And that mm-hmm. means that right now I'm going to go down to the school and yell at the principal and the teacher. Mm-hmm. And then maybe next time I will bring a flamethrower with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds reasonable to me. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, uh, now we get to the part. What was your worst thing in the episode, Jake? What was your slushy moment? Oh, um, is that, what is that? <laughs> why why uh, is the, that so phrasing for it? <laughs> well, be, because a big thing in, in the at least the first season of Glee is the kids get slushies thrown in their faces. Oh, I think because, I remember that because from, they're losers. The tra- from the trailers. Rachel got one, like a blue one dumped on her head. All oh, this is rushing back to me. Yeah, they, uh. They keep running with it. They continue that until what, like the third season, Tanner? Oh, they, I think they went just all the way. Okay, okay. At one point, Jake, they put rock salt in a slushy. That's, that sounds just texturally uncomfortable. <laughs> like, bare minimum. I mean, they, they, they put it in to throw it on someone, so that's Yeah, great. it, yeah, okay. it was a criminal crime. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so that's why we call that's what we call our worst slushy. Okay, I'm gonna slushy Rachel in general. <laughs> yeah, 
she's you know what no i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna slushy quinn because uh she's like she is being not only like just a terrible person and lying to finn and then like just getting just trying to like extort him it seems like this is extortion basically what she's doing um but then knowing that later on it's for a ruse where she's gonna give the baby up like like a like a quick switch with the baby that's even worse um so yeah i'm gonna get i'm gonna say quinn is should get slushy this episode yeah all right um i see i i was torn for a little bit because i part of me wants to slushy will for not trusting sue but also having watched the rest of the preceding episodes he has good reason not to trust sue Sure. Part of me wants yeah. to slushy the women being framed as being naggy when they're kind of in the right, but like Jake, you were kind of pointing out that well, some of them aren't entirely in the right necessarily. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It is a weird line they are walking. But yeah, it, yeah, it, it's bad. If you want to slushy that Tanner, I c- I'm going to be slushying <laughs> Will. So. Oh no, because I I think I'm also settling on uh, Will. But I'm slushing. I'm slushing him for taking all the wheelchairs. <laughs> yeah, that is bad. <laughs> or just maybe just Will's uh, abled savior complex. See, I was gonna say my slushy was going to be to uh, to Will Schuster, the politically correct crusader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. All also deserving of a slushy. For sure. We also could give one to Sandy Ryerson, who decided to show up for this episode. This is, <laughs> this is Sandy Ryerson's least disconcerting appearance. He's fine. All he does is give weed to teens, and I, I'm fine with that in the context of the rest of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to the rest of Glee's crimes, that's barely a misdemeanor. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's it. I forget how we wrap these up, Tan. We haven't recorded one in like for the first time in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, we we didn't didn't do a four episode uh, a four episode weekend. That's yeah, a that lot. Was, that's it was a rough. lot. I recorded uh, four episodes of Morphin Grid in a row once, and that is a lot. I wouldn't even want to do that over the course of two days anymore. And those, yeah, th- those are twenty minutes that twenty minute shows that could turn into hour long podcasts. This was a 45-minute show, and we were doing so good, but we brought a guest on, so not, I'm not saying it's your fault, but we're almost at two hours. Oh, yeah, no, it, you had a guest, you doubled the time, especially if it's me. <laughs> I am, <laughs> uh, but also, speaking of it being 40 minutes, at about the 22-minute mark when a Power Ranger episode was to be over, I, I was like, this should be over soon, right? And then it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that's valid. <laughs> I wonder what the twenty minute mark was in the Glee episode. Um, I feel like it was something. It was when Quinn and Puck were talking at some point, but I don't remember probably what. But it, I was just like, I literally felt like that's an episode. Oh wait, it's a it's an hour long. Never mind. But yeah, I guess all that's left to say is thank thanks for coming. Thank you for suffering through. Seventy-five percent of this episode with us, Jake. Uh, yeah, my thank pleasure. you, Jake. It was very fun uh, to talk about. I won't watch Glee again unless I come back on the show, but it was fun to talk about. Yeah, it. I was gonna say, like, can we tempt you back with more Michael Malley or possibly more Britney? Um, yeah, both. Yes. Uh, if 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 you need me, I I can do that. 
because both those characters seem like they rule and i would like to see more of them oh yeah both of them have phenomenal episodes once we get past the initial 13 episodes and the writer's don't have to they don't have to write with the sort of damocles of cancellation over their head yeah yeah uh i also i think i feel like that coming back would be extremely fun because who knows what could be different by then (laughs) this is also extremely true true. (laughs) (laughs) so loser like me is part of the corner podcast network we can be heard on your podcast platform of choice and if we aren't there let us know and we'll work on getting in there we can be found at LoserLikeMePod on Twitter and through LoserLikeMePod at gmail.com. Uh, and Jake, where can you be found? I am on Twitter at JJ underscore Mason, and I have so many podcasts that we would definitely go over the two-hour mark if I listed them all. Uh, but I talked about Morphin Grid, which is a Power Rangers uh, recap that Tanner, you have been on, and Christina, you will be on soon. Um, so check that out. And then... Uh, I do a bunch of other stuff. Um, just you can find me. Just look through uh, <laughs> through through Twitter for me. <laughs> and, and that's, that's what, what you, you miss on Glee. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christina gonna figure out why we love the show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Hey, we did it! I was not told about the timing, so I was very off. (laughs) It's okay. It's called It Can Get Fixed in Post. Exactly. Fixed in Post.